Welcome to another episode of Ryan's Method Passive Income Podcast. Here's your host, Ryan Hogue. Hey guys, thank you for joining me for a new video. Today I'm joined by Dave from Trademark Watchdogs, which is a Facebook group dedicated to stopping frivolous trademarks from go- going through, specifically geared towards, you said, uh, print on demand and other like e-commerce businesses, right? That's right. That's what we do. Whether you're doing t-shirts or pop sockets or mugs or um, KDP books, anything, we can help you figure out whether something's a frivolous trademark and how to stop it in its tracks. That's awesome that you guys are doing this uh, public service, really. And I noticed the group's not that small. It seems like you've garnered a lot of attention. And I mean, I just recently joined. And, you know, this is kind of us piggybacking off of that video I dropped a couple days ago, explaining the difference between a trademark application and a registered trademark. And we're going to be elaborating on that a little bit today. Sure, sure. I'm happy to go into that and um, clear up a few things that I think people that aren't used to trademarks, um, some some things that they don't really understand. And, and um, helpful, helpfully, I'll give you some definitions so that you can say, oh, okay, that's something that I have to watch out for, or that's something that I don't have to watch out for. I appreciate that. And also, why don't we just start by explaining what you meant when we said like frivolous trademarks? Okay, well- I, I absolutely can, and um, I have one slide that we're, uh, in my slideshow where I can define it, but it's just as easy to tell you. You know what a frivolous trademark is? I'm going to give you my personal definition because it's what what happened to me is when I went and I tried to put up a T-shirt design and it got rejected because of a trademark issue, and I'm like, wait a minute, what, how can that possibly be? So a frivolous trademark is essentially a trademark that – uh, um, somebody tries to trademark a phrase that already exists in a widespread in widespread use. So something like um, Mermaid Squad. I mean, this really happened. Somebody wanted to trademark Mermaid Squad. Why? Because they wanted to corner the market. They wouldn't want anybody else to have that T-shirt. So they filed a trademark. But there were already like 500 designs out there on any number of print-on-demand platforms. So why should they get the trademark? Well, they shouldn't. Trademarks are what are supposed to act as source indicators. So if somebody says Mermaid Squad, you're supposed to go, oh, you know what? I I know where to go to get that. Not, hey, let me go search Amazon or Redbubble. So we had to figure out a way to uh, oppose that and say, wait a minute, USPTO, let's not trademark this phrase that's already in widespread use. Why um, squelch competition? That's not what trademarks are for. And that's what they are. And we formed a group in order to actively find and um, um, oppose these frivolous trademarks. That good? (laughs) Yeah, it's funny you said that's not what they're for, but I feel like in the context of print on demand, that's what the people doing the trademarking think they're for. Oh, absolutely. That That is the misnomer. It's like people say, oh, nobody is trademarked. I'm going to get it and I'm going to corner the market on um, like Feliz Navidad. That mm-hmm. was one of the first like letters of protest that I filed. Because come on, Feliz Navidad, it's a bad joke. It's a bad pun. But it's been on T-shirts and mugs for years. So and it's in widespread use. People people know it. They They don't identify it as the source of a single company. 
right? So that's why it's it would have been a frivolous trademark from our perspective. And the USPTO actually agreed with us and denied that particular trademark along with many others. And will they, out of curiosity, would they potentially deny one on their own, the USPTO, without you guys uh, or without whoever writing a letter of uh, protest? Yeah, they, they can and they do, but a lot of times they don't. I mean, these are just regular people that have a boss and they have to get through a certain amount of trademarks every single day and examine them and determine whether they should be a trademark or not. The thing is, when they look at a trademark application, they compare it to things that are already in their database mm. of trademarks that already exist and say, is there any confusion? What they don't have to do is go out into the marketplace and say, whoa, look at that. There's millions of them out. No, let's not do that. They should. They don't have to. And many times an examining attorney will do that and deny a trademark just for that reason, that it's widespread use. But they're not guaranteed to do it. So that's why we're around to watch. Um, gotcha. I, I will say that, you know, do you know how many trademarks uh, applications were filed last year? I have no clue. I couldn't guess. Oh, 673,000 and change in one year. That's a lot, right? You know how many letters of protest were filed? Just 4,000. I was going to say 6,000, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, there's not as many frivolous trademarks as people think overall. But in our industry, there's a lot. Yeah. Like, will you shut up, man? Somebody, the three applications already filed for that yep. trademark. Now, you try to file for a trademark like that, as long as you have $225 and can fill out an electronic form, they'll take your money. They're not going to give it back when it doesn't get trademarked. But something like that is unlikely to go all the way through the examination process. You That's want me good. to kind of? I was going to ask. Go ahead. I can um, kind of give you an idea of the, um, the, the flow of how, how an application works, if you want. Uh, sure, yeah. And then also, whenever you're ready to share that presentation, yeah. too, just yeah, let me know. I'm going to do that right now. Okay, perfect. Yeah, appreciate you uh, taking time to set up a brief presentation for us. <laughs> and um, also, I know that it's appreciated by you know myself and everybody watching to see the uh, trademarks being framed in the print-on-demand seller context. You know, right. mm -hmm. yeah, that. Uh, well, I mean, it's my business too. Just like uh, um, most of the people on your on your YouTube channels, most of the people that follow you, the people in your course. I mean, I've been doing, I've been selling print on demand since 2017, and I'm facing the same thing that you guys are facing. So I just happen to get dinged early for uh, a perceived trademark violation. I got pissed. Um, I found a few other people, or those people found me. And then we powered through and figured out how to fight back. So before I talk to you about fighting back, let me just go ahead and just give you an idea of, a, of a, what happens sure. um, when, you're, when somebody files a trademark. People always ask, um, how long does it take for a trademark to go through? So like from the day you file, how, how long do you have to wait? Well, the very minimum, the bare minimum would probably be like seven months. Okay going to take something to drink but it's generally going to get six <laughs> in my experience it's been minimum like i mean i've had like kind of bad luck too maybe because i was leaning on my dad and my sister they're both lawyers but they don't 
they're not trademark lawyers, right? So they had never submitted the application and yeah, it ended up being like an eight month, I think maybe nine. Yeah. It's in general, if everything goes your way, it's like nine months, maybe 12. Uh, the USPTO has a, a thing they call pendency, which is just how long it takes. Right. Mm -hmm. And they want to keep the trademark process under 12 months and they think that's a win. And I think, could you imagine if that we, we operated like that? Like, don't worry, you'll get your t-shirt in nine to 12 months. It's like, it's like, that's, you know, have you heard of the Amazon like IP accelerator program? Uh -huh. in, yeah. So that's why it's like, you can pay basically four times what it would cost you to do it yourself. And you get the same end result that you're probably more uh, sought. You're, that's what you're actually like seeking, you know, the brand registry. Right. right. In right. two weeks. So, yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's really great uh, um, if you're if you want to get into the you know the Amazon brand registry program. They are kind of causing some of these issues because of that brand registry, but not in the print on demand side of Amazon, but on the other other things. When you're you're doing FBA, um, it's it is important to have a brand. You want to become a source identifier. And let me be clear: I am not against trademarks. I'm all for them. But I'm all for a good trademark, a brand identifier trademark. What I'm against is people coming in after the fact and right. trying to register something that has already been used a thousand times. Let me, let me give one quick example that just popped into my mind. Somebody got a trademark through for a t-shirt that said Big Daddy. Yeah. And then manually reported every single listing on the internet that contained the phrase Big, Big Daddy. Daddy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was crazy. I had a shirt that was just an acronym for B for Big Daddy. It didn't even say it on the shirt, and it was just like ev anything and everything gone. Yeah, that's um, uh, an overzealous enforcement. What the USPTO will say is that look, our job is to issue trademarks. Our job isn't to refuse trademarks. But if there's somebody is overzealously enforcing the trademark, don't come to us. That's the court's job. Well. You and I don't use, well, you might, but I, I know I don't have an extra ten or $20,000 just to go sue these people back. Right. Uh, but that's what it takes. You, and, and that, I mean, that's an issue. So you talk about that later. But this flowchart's very busy and you see stuff in red and blue. But basically what it does is it kind of walks you through the steps you'd have to take to get a trademark and then also, um, uh, the, the time each step takes. So just in general, when you, f people say, how could this trademark, like, like I'll give you an example of one, um, a chicken whisperer, <laughs> like, right. Somebody f did actually file for that. And, um, and people said it's live. Should I take my shirts down? It's like, not necessarily. And probably not because just because they filed for the trademark doesn't mean they have it. It just means that the application has been filed. If, if you have $225 and can use a computer keyboard to fill out a form, you will get a live application. But live doesn't really mean anything. It should really say in process, okay? But once you file that, it starts this, kicks off this process. Now, so first, the trademark application sits in a giant pile of electronic bits for like mm -hmm. three months before it ever gets assigned to something called an examining attorney. And then that attorney will eventually look at the application and try to make a decision. Is this something that should be a trademark or not? 
they have a process and examining procedure that they go through. And there's some, it's called the TMEP. It's online. You could read it yourself. Please don't. You'll tear your mm-hmm. hair out. Your eyes will explode. But it is available. You can see exactly what the examining attorneys are supposed to look for. And they'll either say, yep, that should be a trademark or nope, I'm going to issue what's called the non-final action. And then if it's something that's supposed to go through, what they do is they announce it. Literally, they just post in electronically that um, it looks like it's going to go through and we're going to publish it in something called the Gazette, which used to be a physical publication. Now it's an electronic publication. Once they publish it in the Gazette, um, you've got anybody has 30 days to oppose it. What's an opposition? It's a $400 fee and a legal brief. <laughs> but if you do that, it turns into a literally like up to a two-year trial to determine whether it should be a trademark or not. But if nobody opposes it, then about 30 days after that, it maybe 60, it gets registered. So all those times are sort of flexible, but somewhere under 12 months is how long it would take to from filing to a registered trademark. And if, so are you paying every time that you publish an opposition or is that only in the last stage? Um, well, that's a great question. So if you if I wanted to oppose like Chicken Whisperer, um, I'd have to pay that $400 fee and then file a legal brief. And I can only do it during that 30-day opposition period, okay? However, you don't have to wait. You could, if you, as a third party, I can say, wait a minute, there's 8,000 Chicken Whisperer shirts all over the internet. People call themselves Chicken Whisperers. It's a widely used phrase. I can file what's called a letter of protest. And right now, letters of protest are free to file. Okay. Maybe next year they might be $50. <laughs> but, but you know, the, the, the USPTO isn't that happy that we filed so many. When I say so many, it's like 4,000 last year versus 673,000. That's not a lot. It shouldn't mm-hmm. really cause them that much consternation. They just feel like getting 50 extra dollars from us. But filing that, even at $50, it's a, a cheap, easy way to acknowledge, uh, to get the USPTO to look at evidence that this shouldn't be a, a trademark. So that, um, that kind of outlines the, the trademarking process when things go right, when it goes wrong, or when there's issues, the the, the, the examining attorney will generally reach out to the trademark applicant and tell them what they have to do to fix it. And if they can fix it, then it might it goes back on the path towards registration. But if they don't fix it or they run out of time or never answer, then that trademark is abandoned. And that application is abandoned and everyone's safe. That is good to know. That's more than I thought I'd ever know about how trademarks work. <laughs> it's yeah, and all that stuff you can just sort of forget because this next slide is what's important. When you search for a trademark, you'll see live. And and on your last video, you said you even circled the the column that said live. And all applications are live until they're dead. <laughs> so what really matters is is it live and registered. So on that example that you used. The, the registered registered column was blank. That means there are not trademarks yet. 
It's just live. It's being processed. It's somewhere in the process. It could have been just filed. It could have been examined. It could be in the opposition period, but it's not yet a registered trademark. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. And thank you for making that distinction. That yeah, was a lot of confusion this past week with the, uh, yeah, the shut up man quotes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that the what's up, uh, will you shut up, man? That's a, yeah. a great example. And again, um, it's unlikely to go through. And even if it did, it's going to be long past its um, sell by date. You know, how many, how many people are going to still be looking right. at it? But it's, it really, it's, it's unlikely to go through for a lot of reasons. That's another great point, actually. He's like, even if, even if all three people going after it get it, uh, it just seems unlikely that it's going to be relevant by the time it's enforceable. But also, I was just going to ask, too, you know, we saw multiple people going after not just the the shut up man on T-shirts, but we also saw like, I mean, I, I pointed this out like maybe, I don't even know, I'm losing track of time, three, four months ago, uh, Black Lives Matter, three people, three new people popped up attempting to trademark it on shirts. Yeah. And how does that work when three people want the same trademark on the same product? Oh, hang on here. Let me, um, uh, 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 okay. I thought I, I thought I had a, a, the slide that would, uh, would ad address just that. Um, trademarking is a little like whack-a-mole because that black lives matter trademark has already been, ex um, uh, people applied for it years ago when it was first, when it first became a well-known phrase. And they were all rejected by the USPTO because not just that there were, um, it's, it's, a, it's a phrase that's socially used. So mm -hmm. that like, it doesn't belong to just one person. It belonged to a movement and the USPTO rejected it for, for basically that reason. And so if you go into the, um, uh, the USPTO's database, you can see the older versions of the Black Lives Matter trademarks, the ones that were uh, rejected or denied. And um, they, and you can read what, why the USPTO said no. And those same conditions are gonna to apply to these three. Now, how does it work when there are three people in a row that, that and they're all like, they all filed within a half an hour mm. of each other. So um, first person did it at 10 a.m., then 10.30 a.m., then 11 a.m., just making those times up. Well, the, the first person gets priority because they filed it first their examination will go forward first. The other two will be suspended until the first one has been decided. Well, what'll happen? The first one will get decided, it'll get thrown out. Then the second one will begin the process. It'll get decided and thrown out. Then the third one will get decided mm. and thrown out. That's how it works. Okay. Um, you can actually have, and a really great example of this is the term be kind, B-E kind, not B-E-E -E kind which is the play on words, which is a whole other trademark. Um, uh, be kind. Right now, there's one of them that somebody applied for it, and they're in the same international class. And actually, this next slide will talk about this. So an international class is just the way the USPTO and the world divides up stuff <laughs> into um, – into these internationally recognized um, uh, class. Top sockets has its own code. I would have well, never guessed. Yeah, you know why? Because it's under cellular accessories. That's okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So I just put in pop sockets so the people would get it. If I put in 
Um, it, it's the same thing for phone cases. They, they, they all fall under a class. Yeah. So clothing is class 25. Um, oh, class 21 isn't really mugs. It's, I think it's like kitchen accessories. But mugs are a goods and are considered a good that mm -hmm. is underneath that class. So when you apply for a trademark, you have to do both. You have to say, this is the international class that I'm filing for. And this is the particular goods and services in that class that I'm going to sell. You don't automatically get a trademark for everything in the class. So just because you apply for clothing, international class 25 doesn't mean your trademark is for all clothing. It's for the things that you say you're selling or are going to sell. So right now, there's like be kind. There are two trademarks for class 25, but the goods and services are different. One application is for T-shirts, and that one has been gotten a non-final re refusal, which means they might be able to fix it, but I've read the non-final refusal. They're probably not going to be able to fix it. The other one in class 25 is for slippers, and that one looks like it's going to go through because nobody has opposed or filed a letter of protest for Be Kind brand slippers. So, so if you're in the slipper niche, you're probably and you've got Be Kind stuff in about six months, you're going to have to take them down. Okay. All right. Good to know. <laughs> Does that make sense? And just like it, you yeah. got both conditions have to apply. Right? Yeah. International class and your goods and services. And then I've already talked about the frivolous trademark. Um, it's already in widespread use. The applicant is just trying to corner the market, and that shouldn't be. <laughs> um, trademarks are source, supposed to be source indicators. If I say Nike, we all know what I mean. We all know where to go to get Nike products. Yep. If, I, if I say um, uh, Occupy Mars, it's like, I don't know. Let's go to Amazon and look. That's not the same thing. It's not a source indicator. And I think this is, um, I think my second to last slide, how to oppose a frivolous trademark. Like when you, um, if you see a trademark that you think is frivolous, well, there's really two things you can do. One is to wait until the opposition period, which is after it's been examined, which could take six, eight months. And then you have to file a legal fee, a fee of $400 or file a brief, and then go through a two-year process, up to a two-year process. Yeah. And you have to be a direct party, although that is not that hard. It's a low bar of entry, right? You can pretty much establish yourself as, it, it would harm me if this goes through. That's what a direct party is saying. It's really like, I think in legal terms, it's a second party. The first party is the trademark applicant. Okay. All right. So, but the the USPTO uh, is pretty lenient about being a second party. But better yet, file a letter of protest. You can file that five seconds after they've filed the trademark application. As soon as they file it and it's in the system, you can file a letter of protest. Oh, and they are gonna they are gonna start. You're projecting that they will start charging next year. Yeah, we've that wasn't we've, just a joke. <laughs> no, no, no. We we we've we've been fighting it. Because we think it's a, a large heap of BS, why, their reasoning behind why they're charging it and what, what they're charging. It was originally going to be $100, and we squawked enough, and then they said, all right, just 50 <laughs> But I've never met a, a governmental agency that said at some point, you know what? We don't need the money. You keep right. it. 
yeah, it, it, they've been a, they're going to do it. Um, we, we did, we, we did and are still trying to get it down to zero or at least, you know, maybe a, a $5 fee at most. But yeah. they're gonna they're gonna charge something. It'll probably go into effect next year. I, th- I mean, the problem is like, uh, it's just like I know most people's brains don't think this way, and mine it doesn't think for me to do this. What I'm about to say, but I know that like business minded people understand that this is how the world kind of works. Like, mm-hmm. if they create more of a barrier of protesting the frivolous trademarks it's going to in not just make it harder obviously for us to help prevent them but it's going to directly incentivize more frivolous trademarks to be filed yeah no i i agree i think uh um there was a period of time where you could have submitted public comments to the uspto about this fee increase or this fee establishing the fee and uh, that was one of the things that i i said to them i also said that Anything, anytime you charge a fee, it, it reduces the amount of, of, of uh, whatever it is that you're trying to file because not everybody has the money or wants to spend the money or whatever. It, it chills the marketplace. And honestly, the other thing is, and this is the one that I, I really almost want to sue them in federal court for this, is that it's an infringement on our First Amendment rights. We are allowed as citizens, United States citizens are allowed to protest our, and, and ask redress of our government. It's a government agency. They shouldn't be charging us to protest. The unfortunately, you yeah. know, given right. what's going on it. right now. Yeah, the oh, I get it. Constitution but, is almost like been thrown by the wayside for I whatever reason. It. So it's like, do they want to? We don't. Yeah, how much money would it cost to fight city hall like that to fight the government? I don't have that kind of. Our group doesn't have that kind of money. No, but and they're charging you. Yeah. for them to be able to <laughs> to show up that day in court if you did and, yeah. and fight against you. <laughs> right. So the, the the best strategy is to try to get the fee as low as possible so that we can still file letters of protest without really hurting somebody's pocketbook. Most people that want to file these letters of protest are small business people. $50 is meaningful to them. So that's a, it's a lot. It's a, um, why should this? Why should the thumb be on the scale for big business? Small business does a uh, really pumps the economy. So, well, it, is, is, it is what it is. Way to uh, plug your <laughs> your Facebook yeah. group, and that's perfect timing. I was going to say, like, let's. Uh, I'll have a link, top link in the description to the trademark watchdogs Facebook group. I also noticed that they have a Patreon, which is essentially a nice way of you know you can put a credit card on file. PayPal, whatever, and say, I want to give a dollar a month, five dollars mm-hmm. a month, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, that's definitely going to help if, you know, when, or if slash when um, there's going to be a fee associated with yeah. filing the letters of protest. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Dave, I appreciate you taking the time today, man. Anything else you wanted to share? Just uh, two quick things. One is people always say, well, I got an infringement notice from Amazon or Redbubble or whatever. Well, if you get one, um, write them back. And just tell them that the, if you look up the trademark and it hasn't been registered yet, tell them. You know why? Because it's an automatic no if you don't ask. That's it. They're not going to like get mad at you and kill your account because you said, wait a minute, this isn't a registered trademark. 
They might not do anything about it. It's their right not to do anything about That's it. That's the most likely scenario because yeah. I even the, the automated emails you get aren't monitored, they say. So it's like you can right. try. You just have to go through other avenues. It takes a little bit of work. Right. And then the other thing is um, when you're looking up trademarks, like you're, you're going to submit whatever your product is. Uh, I use a, uh, a Chrome extension called Tangent Tests. I have no skin in this game. I, it's not my. Is that from the Tangent my, Templates people? What is it called? Tangent Text? T-E-S-S. Okay. And it's a real quick and easy way to search the USPTO database for the phrase that you're looking at. And um, why do I say that? Because I know a lot of people use Merchant Former or Merch Titans, and both those programs are great. Mm-hmm. They're, just, they're awesome. But if I have one criticism of both those programs is the trademark checking produces too many false positives. Yeah. Don't sure. drive yourself crazy. Use the, use this, um, that tangent test, uh, plugin or for, or extension for Chrome and you'll, it'll, it's so much easier to use. Okay, great. I'm, I'm going to check that out immediately. And I'll also put a link in the description cause it looks like it's free. I just had a, another quick question that just sure. made me segue my mind to like, do you know of a way of like bulk checking trademarks? Like in the sense, like if I said addicted to X where X is like hobbies and I have a hundred, like what I like mm-hmm. about Merchant Former and some of these tools is I can copy paste the list. And even though it does do false positives it also, if I don't really care, I can just chop it or I can double check then. Do you know right. of any ways? No, that, that, that would be a good thing for tangent tests. Maybe those folks to do. But no, that what you're doing is probably the best way to do it. It just, if you can also learn how to ignore the false positives, then you're going to be fine too. Okay, cool. That's, that's figured I'd ask. Cause yeah. And then also when you submit sometimes you get rejections of ones that shouldn't be in the whole equation, it's, it's hard to solve. And I guess that makes it more interesting, but yeah. Yeah. Well, the folks at, um, at Amazon aren't as good at answering as like the folks at Redbubble. I think they're fantastic. When I, every time I, I send an email, they, I always get a human response eventually. Um, and, um, but I, you know, I've been lucky. I, I'm pretty good about checking trademarks, so I don't get too many rejections. So if you can learn how to do it, learn to look up the trademarks without driving yourself crazy and look for registered, not just live, you're going to give yourself, you're going to help yourself out. Your workflow will go that much faster. Your rejections will go plummet down practically to zero. You won't have to worry about your account. So just learn how to do it right, live and registered, and you're, you're, you'll be a lot better off. Yep. Great advice because print on demand, obviously not a get rich quick scheme. It is a uh, sustained effort over time that will hopefully increase in, um, you know, pay dividends over time. Like if you can increase the amount of money you make each month over month before yeah. you know it, you know, like we've both been doing it since 2017. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure like your numbers are better this year than they were the year before, et cetera. Right. So, that's, cool. the, that's the idea. So, so right, cool. please join uh, trademark watchdogs. If you're having trouble with trademarks or just have questions, we're there to answer. None of us are lawyers. We're all laymen, but we've been through it and we will tell you if, if you need to see a lawyer, which is happens a lot. So perfect. All right. Well, thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. There's going to be a link in the description guys. Check it out. And thank you for watching. Thanks, Ryan.